0: You're watching Badass Lady Folk. I'm your host, Christine Stoddard. And today, my lovely guests are Kendra Bostock. Yeah. Not Ross, you, <laughs> formerly known as. You got it. And Miss Al Boogie of Stoops in bed Thank you so much for being here. What is Stoops?
1: You look at I me? Mean,
0: yeah. No, is no, the no, founder, or, 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 the no. I'm director, like,
1: I'm like pop. Turn to pop quiz. Pop quiz. No. <laughs>
0: On to <the> other. no. <laughs> ABC multiple choice.
1: Just, just kidding. Um, so Stoops is an organization, and we use arts as a catalyst for community building, specifically in Bed Stuy. For now. Um, oh. We, okay. Yeah. It's um, <laughs> a
2: big neighborhood. Yeah. It is. We
1: started in two- 2013, and we have a. We're rethinking the name, but I like to call oh. it an arts festival. Some folks call it an art crawl. You could also call it a block party, but we have a big summer event where we have artists perform on stoops and sidewalks like someone that we know.
0: Yes. Um, thank you for the time and the space and the love. <laughs> yes.
1: Um, as an opportunity for artists to get to know the neighborhood more, the neighborhood to get to know the artists, um, neighbors to get to know each other to get to know local businesses, local organizations. So it's all about using the arts as a catalyst for community building.
0: Ooh, anything to add? Now I'm looking at you. Yeah, I
2: mean, <laughs> we, I, I've been a bed resident for longer than Stoops has, you know, been founded by Kendra. And um, we focus on artists that live in bed were born and raised in Bed to present um, to their neighbors, so I think that's a really key thing. I think um, pre-COVID, uh, Bed Stuy really had this kind of like Renaissance artist thing happening that really, really made it easy to pull from like high-quality presenters. And then post-COVID, we we haven't had much of a problem pooling. I think certain genres. Uh, you know, the people who have depleted you came back to Bed-Stuy, so yeah, so Bed-Stuy has a very rich uh, cultural, um, people who normally have to present in Manhattan or tour, you know, they live in Bed-Stuy, so it was great to give them work there.
0: Yeah, and it's such a wonderful, welcoming, communal space. Thank Thank you. you. Yeah. Yeah,
1: we work really hard at that. I mean, I guess I would add to what Al was saying. When I first started Stoops, I had been living in Bed-Stuy for about four years. And it was at the height of the conversations about gentrification. And so I was really trying to be mindful of like how I was there in this neighborhood with such a rich cultural and artistic legacy. Um, and so I was like, oh, as an artist, I want to offer my talents, what I have to share with the neighborhood, but definitely didn't want to come in with this, like, savior thing of, like, this is what I have to offer. So I wanted to create a way for, since I was a part of the community, for myself and other artists, both long-term and other artists who had just arrived into the neighborhood like myself, to have an opportunity to to present art. And like Al said, me personally, I found myself having to go into Manhattan mm-hmm. or at minimum downtown Brooklyn in order to rehearse and present my work um there are many more spaces for performing arts in bed now but when I started there were few and far between and there was some like politics to like even navigate getting into those spaces so I'm like what is more accessible than a stoop so that's another impetus behind me starting this this organization
2: and where are you from though
1: I'm from Detroit, Michigan. <laughs>
2: three a, one three. I have a funny story. This one time I was visiting Detroit for a US social forum and we bumped into each other.
1: And I'm like <laughs> Hi. <laughs> what are you doing here?
0: Oh, you already knew each other. Yeah, yeah. I'm from New York. Here. And right, then I bumped okay. into her in Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And you were just visiting family?
1: I was visiting family. Yeah. She was there for the U.S. US Social Social Forum. Forum.
0: What is that?
2: A great question. I haven't (laughs) been a part of it in a long time. I'm sure people listening to this know what it is. But it's basically, like, I think it's a, oh, my gosh, I do not want to get this wrong. Okay, we, never
0: mind. I was at U.S. Social on.
2: Forum as an activist.
1: Well, <laughs> I was just going to a party that, that my was, friend recommended, yeah. and I, I ran it, so I didn't even realize that it was part of the U.S. Social Forum. I was just like, oh, it's this is party. cute. <laughs> uh-huh.
0: Yeah. So, Kendra, why bed Why Why did you leave Detroit in the first place, what was it about New York City, which seems to be for many people an easier question to answer, but what was it about bed size specifically that drew you?
1: Yeah, um, well New York, I mean it's New York yeah. and Detroit has transformed, it's another space that has transformed a lot, but when I was in when I was growing up in Detroit, there weren't as many artistic opportunities, especially for dance. Um, there were like little pockets, but it wasn't as plentiful as it is here. And so I went to, I came to college here. I did the Fordham Ailey BFA program. Ooh, so that's fancy. what brought me to, to <laughs> New York. And to be perfectly honest, I ended up in bed by happenstance. I was like looking for a place because I lived in Washington Heights and I had to move. And so I someone that I know had an opening for a room in bedside And I was like, oh, you know, let me go check it out. And then when I got there, I was like, oh, <laughs> I love it here. Um, honestly, because it reminds me a lot of Detroit in a sense of um, there is a sense of community. Um, the brownstones are just gorgeous. And, you know, I think about. In Detroit, we, you know, we have folks that sit on out on the porch and, like, there's a big porch culture. So stoop culture is kind of, like, comparable to that. And also for me in Detroit, Detroit is, like, this very specific place where it's, like, the like the block that I grew up on was like super nice. All the new neighbors knew each other, like everyone took care of their their property, all the kids came outside and played, but if you went the block over, it was a whole whole, whole nother situation. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like bed is like that Very too. It's like my block. Yeah, it's like you go to one block and it's like, Oh, look at all the brownstones and then you go to another block and you be like, Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna keep walking, you know. Not to say there's anything wrong, but it's just a it's all it's a different it, it's like stepping into a different world, which for me is a little adventurous. So, mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: And Al, why did you choose bedside? Where were you living before? I moved to New
2: York by attending NYU. You could say also that... Also fancy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that bill is fancy. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it was fancy. I was very strategic. It had a dorm life, and I wanted to move to New York City. So it's interesting like to have the privilege of getting into that college in order to move here. Um, and so basically the first place I lived outside of an NYU dorm was Ridgewood. Uh, on the border of bushwick and queens and i was clubbing and traveling all over new york and uh, bedside is not far from ridgewood and i was like oh it's so pretty there um and i moved i think in you know probably about 10 years after i graduated into the neighborhood
0: um mostly
2: haven't looked back
0: yeah i love (laughs) living in bedside And you both mentioned the brownstones. That seems to be something that many people gravitate toward and the trees, right? And of course the family life, the block life. Okay, so paint our viewers a picture of how Stoops has changed. Like the first couple years when you really were on these Stoops to how it was most recently and then where you're going. Mm -hmm.
1: So when we first started, I like to tell the story because it's a little bit wacky. Yeah, stories um, are good. <laughs> I, I came up with the idea of Stoops in, like, January of 2013. And then I went on tour for February and March. And before I left, I had talked to um, a couple of friends of mine. Um, they're no longer in the neighborhood, but Deara Wright and Steph Wiley. And they had an organization called Gather oh, they're Brooklyn. they still in the neighborhood. They are? <laughs> they don't live in the neighborhood, okay. but Brooklyn-supported
2: agriculture is in our neighborhood. That's true. It's rooted in our neighborhood, yeah. That's true. Thank mm-hmm. you for that. You're welcome. Yes.
1: Um, so, uh, Steph Wiley is one of the, the founders of um, Brooklyn-supported agriculture, which is a, a CSA, a community-supported agriculture, and Packers, uh, like, green farm packing. We do a lot farm around farming and
2: vegetables yeah. in our neighborhood.
1: Um. Yeah, so I told them about the idea, then I left on tour for two months. I came back in, like, March, like, end of March. And I was like, yeah, I still, you know, I'm still really feeling the burn of this idea. I think I actually want to do it. And I'm like, all right, let's, you know, let's think about 2014. And they're like, why? And I was like, um, (laughs) they're like, let's do it this year. And I was like, okay. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, you know, maybe in the fall, like, before it gets too cold. And they're like, nah, let's do it in June. So the first stoops we organized from March 2013 and it was on June 23rd, 2013.
0: It was ambitious.
1: Yes, and we had 22 artists spread out throughout Bed-Stuy like yeah. Bed-Stuy large. Yep. Um and then we had six culminating artists at uh Stuyvesant Mansion. Um including Lava Dance, which is a dance circus company in this, like, mansion space, um, Ashe Dance Theater Collective, and the Grammy-nominated... They win? Nominated? one I don't know. They're great. Anyway, uh, Grammy-adjacent <laughs> Grammy, Grammy, uh, Grammy adjacent, uh, duo, uh Nubiennes. And so it was like, we did it! It was, <laughs> it was It was really incredible, and we were on a high. Um... So, and and we charged for our sightseers, which is, like, our program and an entry oh. for the culminating event because we had to make money somehow, you yeah, know, because yeah, we had, course. it was just, it wasn't even a dollar in a dream. It was a dream and some prayer, lots of prayer. <laughs> um, and so we did it. We're like, okay, cool. Um, some of the feedback that we got, especially because the Stuyvesant Mansion is like, right next door or like a couple doors down from um, a NYCHA development and one of some of the feedback that we got was that the charging of the sightseer was prohibitive for people Mm. and so we're like okay so how can we navigate this and So then that's when we started to seek out grant funding and made our site seer. We started off sliding scale, but then we ended up making it free. We kind of kept this model of having anywhere between, like, 15 to 20 artists spread throughout Bed-Stuy. And as we, like, started to experiment, we, like, started to concentrate folks in different, like, zones because we we found that, like, folks on the periphery didn't really get as much traffic. (laughs) Um, And so... Then fast forward to 2018 and in 20, I would say from 2013 until 2017, I had an organizing team of anywhere from like six to eight folks. Um, And because of, you know, life, people having babies, getting married, different jobs, my team dwindled down to three. And so I was like, okay, what are mm-hmm. we gonna do? So we started to to truncate the the event then, and we had ten artists, and we had some partnerships with the Laundromat Project and the the Mekon branch of the Brooklyn Public Library. And is that when you? Yeah. Yeah, I was I, like, is that? I, I was like, is that yeah, your like,
0: Eastern Parkway. Okay. Yeah, yeah,
1: I was like, I was like, that is that that's your cohort? I think <laughs> yes. Um, and so it, that partnership was was to. Help with capacity, to be perfectly mm-hmm. honest. Um, and so, and also, I think it was great. I felt like it was great for the artists because the artists got residency space in the libraries and then they actually got to present what they were working on as a part of Stoops. Um, and so then in 2019, I actually took a break because I got stress-induced shingles after the 2018 <laughs> event. And also, like... Um, one of our grants that we normally get that's like a big staple grant for us was the day after, the deadline was a day after Stoops, and I was like, I don't have it in me, like, I can't. So, you know, we essentially didn't have any funding, and I wasn't feeling well, so I was like, all right, we're going to take a break.
0: So then. I, just quickly, <laughs> I'm very sorry. Thank you for your sacrifices. That is intense. Well,
2: I mean- it, informs, it informs the rest of how Stoops
0: got shapes. Yeah. yeah, keep going, keep going. Yeah, so
1: so then in 2020 I was really like am I going to do this? Am I going to bring this back? Because I'm not going to lie 2019, like I don't really have a summer because I spend my summer preparing yeah. like 2019, I like live my best life like that's when I <laughs> that's when I like uh met my my now husband, like I was going to the beach, I was like this is great, New York summers are awesome when I don't have to work all summer. Anyway, so I really was like mm. Even before the pandemic hit. But once the pandemic hit, um, you know, my then partner and now husband was like, you know, you really have, like, the perfect scenario for Stoops to continue. Like, people are, like itching to get outside and do something if we find a way to like truncate it so that we can make sure people are safe by encouraging social distancing and giving out masks and you know doing all the ppe things um like you can really stoops can really thrive and so i was very reluctant but we decided to truncate and have every all the performances happen on one stoop Mm -hmm. we had seven it was supposed to be 5, but every year I'm like, oh it's going to be 5 and then it would be like 9. Anyway.
0: <laughs> <And> <laughs> you, I'm had, like, you had an Instagram live. You had some virtual component.
1: Yeah, 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 we um that year I think we live streamed it on Zoom and we oh, had a okay. l- and we had some Instagram live, but we definitely live streamed it on Zoom cuz my parents were on the Zoom the entire time like yay
0: are they still in Michigan yeah
1: they they come every year for stoops but that year you know they're older so they were nervous to fly but they were like we still want to be there so that's why I ended up zooming it because they were like you must bring us in um (laughs) and and that year I would say for me personally that year was the most impactful for me Hmm. because I was there yeah um a number of the artists said that that was the first time that they had been able to perform Mm -hmm. in front of a live audience, definitely for months, some folks for the, you know, the whole year. And that was in July at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, Many of the community members said it was the first time in a long time they had been able to see live performance. Um, And then um, specifically my like next door neighbor was just like, he was like moved to tears and he's like normally like this like super stern guy. He was like moved to tears and was like, That was just so wonderful and so beautiful. We're so blessed and so honored to like have you on the block. And actually, um later on that year he passed away from COVID. So like <gasps> No <yeah>. Kendra. <laughs> so it was like special that I feel like I got to give I got to give him this experience. Yeah. Um, you know, before he transitioned to being an ancestor. And so that year was really Really, really special for me. And on top of that, you know, not that I'm looking for accolades, but you know, they be nice sometimes. Um, oh, yes. No, you <laughs> we have were to the, say yeah, we were um, featured in the New York Times as the best of dance, best of the street that year, Ooh. too. You know, so in addition to like the impact in my like feely feels, you know, I feel like st- Stoop started to get some notoriety in mm. terms of like at least the press. Um, and so we're like, okay, we kind of like, This is this this is an interesting model, especially given my team was so small. So the next year we still kept everything on one stoop, um, but we expanded to two stoops and we had one stoop that was for the performances. And then we had some healing workshops and our kitty corner in another space because we wanted to, you know, include that component because it's something that the neighborhood was needing, you know, at that time. So this was twenty twenty one. And so then 2022 I'm like, "All right, let's 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 start to give back into expanding." And so we had five spaces. So we had two performance spaces, a kitty corner space, and a healing workshop space, and then there were five. I'm missing something. But that's okay. Um
0: <laughs> there was a lot going on. Yeah, there was
1: a, there was a lot going on. Um, um so but then in 2023, it was the 10th anniversary. So we're like, mm, "What are we going to do? We got I got to do something special." And so in my own artistic work, too, I've been doing um, a lot of um, interviewing of long term residents, just oh. talking to them about bed and the way that bed has historically had this resilience of, of like black folks, um, resilient black folks who transform the neighborhood, and what are some of the ways that they felt like they were able to do that. And a recurring thing that kept coming up were block parties, like the importance mm-hmm. of the block parties in the neighborhood, the power of community building, um, just how uh, excited people got about the block parties in Bed-Stuy. And so I was like, what if we make Stoops a block party this year? And so... There were a lot of grinding and a lot of, like, going through different, you know, government channels. We were able to block off the street. And so we still had the artists performing on a couple different stoops throughout the block. But we also um, were able to have street games and double dutch vendors, um, our DJ. We had, like, those cool, stoop like, marquee letters that people could, like, photo booths, I guess I would say. Um, And so where are we going? Um... like this block party. <laughs> I think like our, the team we all agree that we like the block party feel because it still gives people this feeling of being able to like traverse the mm-hmm. space um, but it also just gives us an opportunity to just really fill the streets. Yeah. And in the different in the other model you know people would get to commune with the folks who were at that particular stoop at that time and, you know, some folks dis- ended up walking together as they crawled from one space to another. But having it all on one block, everybody's like, hey, 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 you know what I mean? Like, people get to see each- I get to see people because I would always be running around so much that I didn't even get to see yeah. <laughs> half the performances or, like, the people that came, so... Maybe it's a little selfish, but I think everybody else liked it, too. I mean,
2: <laughs> it, it's selfish, but also, like, when you put all that work into something like Stoops, being able to see people and connect with them because they come is reinvigorating. So, And you perform there, too, so yeah. you want to see the people that are coming there. I do. So, yeah. I really loved the block party this year. I remember, like, at noon when I saw everything just all set up and I was walking from one end of the block to the other, I was like, this is gorgeous. Like it it just looked so beautiful. Yeah.
0: And what was the response that you got from people? People really loved it. (laughs) You can
1: say it. Don't be shy.
0: Don't be modest.
1: (laughs) No, I think people really loved it. Like some, the, this was the longest time frame like in the past we would normally go for like three or four hours but we we did it from 12 to 7 so it was this was the longest time frame and there were some folks I mean my family's always there the whole time because I work them but um (laughs) there were some folks who voluntarily (laughs) were there pretty much the entire day some of the
2: artists and some of the audience were there the entire day like even some of the artists that after they finished, she saw them at the card tables and mm-hmm. walking around and enjoying people and shutting the whole thing down. Yeah. It was, it was really incredible to see. All
1: of the vendors had a really great time in addition to, you know what I mean, like selling things. They were like, we just really enjoyed ourselves and being here. And I was really worried about that because that was a new component for, for us. So I'm like, yeah, great.
0: And why did you choose to have vendors this time?
1: Um, Because for me, it's another important entity in the community to loop in, in terms of connecting folks, Um, local businesses, especially I think in Brooklyn in general and in Bed-Stuy, like small businesses really hold up the economy. Like Mm -hmm. most folks, when, when a chain comes into the neighborhood, they're like, "Uh, what are you doing here? You know what I mean? So I wanted to have another way to increase patronage to local businesses um, and bring in income, to be perfectly honest, because, you know, yeah. we you know, we we are a fiscally sponsored uh, organization, but we still have to figure out how to make money, too. And so hoping that that might be um a source of income for us and for the local businesses who participate.
2: Yeah, it has to be funded. But also, you know, people need stuff at a block party. You need things to drink. You need, you know, definitely the vendor element was another um, artisanal element to the event as well. And it really fed into the whole thing. And everybody I spoke to said they did really well.
1: Yeah, and I think it wasn't intentional, but most of the vendors really fit into the culture of Stoops. It itself. was
0: intentional. Yes, it was. How you curated that? <laughs> she, how? she
1: was intentional. I wasn't. <laughs> I, I was like, anybody, everybody, come. <laughs> I think you were intentional about who you reached out to and invited.
2: But I would say who ended up being there. It was like when you have a puzzle maker and a theater group, yeah. And people making, you know, body butters and drinks. And and then we had the home care uh, group that really wanted to be there. I think that definitely is a part of our mission and what we do, the kind of vendors that showed up.
1: It is, but I don't think, I don't think I, I wasn't trying to make it happen. I was just attributing it to the magic of of
2: stoops. Yeah, I mean <laughs> it's also marketing. Like if yes. you're marketed a certain way, people yeah. want to be there for
0: it. And you do an excellent job of marketing Thank and you. branding. Thank Absolutely. You. I would love to hear some of your thoughts on that for community organizations, for smaller arts organizations. What and I'm sure, Kendra, you were heavily involved as well. Um, Mm-mm. or uh, <laughs>
1: No, I'm very excited that I was able to, like, completely hand it off to somebody who I trusted, who upholds the values of the organization and just has, like, beautiful vision. So I'm, yeah. I'm happy to be, like, I was able to step away from that and even be guided by Al, so...
0: Thank so you. Al, how do you strategize for the organization? How do you build this brand? What kind of vision do you have for it in terms of marketing?
2: I mean, I like I I I have to say that I probably wouldn't apply for a job to be a marketing director just anywhere. I don't thrive very well in places where like I'm like this sucks. Right. <laughs> um. So I'm very passionate about stoops. Uh. I've performed in it. Uh. I've. Done social media promotion for it. Um, and it's just a beautiful thing in the community to have somebody like, oh, everybody come and experience this art on a summer day. I just think it's incredible. So, that definitely is a big part of why I am the marketing director at Stoops. But I'll also add, um, like any other marketing person, I survey, you know, mm-hmm. how the message is getting across. And if people are confused, I want to clarify it. Um, I think uh, the fact that Kendra and Stoops have built all these relationships with these artists is really important. And I've been doing the Alumni Artist Project, which is like incredible for me to go and meet with different artists and talk to them about Stoops and their own stuff. I had such a good time when I met with you.
0: In my bathing suit, in my apartment.
2: (laughs) Your apartment is cute. Thank you, thank you for coming
0: over. Uh, It was my
2: pleasure, actually. And um, so I basically wanted to make sure that people who didn't know what Stoops was got a better understanding of it. Um, Kendra also gave me room to be part of curation this year. Um, I thought people who really came from the community uh, was really important, and I think we had an incredible. I mean, it gave me it gave me goosebumps how intergenerational this lineup was, and so mm-hmm. that was a huge inspiration in telling the story of Stoops. And then you know, I I go from Kendra, and it's like, okay, well, what do you envision for this? Okay, I know how to work backwards and go. This is what we need to do. So. You know, unfortunately, with social media right now, it's basically like another television station Mm -hmm. and you have to pay to play. So I was like, we need a budget for ads. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you can make these really great reels on Instagram and on TikTok. But if you don't put a little bit of one dollar bills behind them, people don't really see them, unfortunately. So I just spent time with Kendra saying, like, okay, how many people do we want to be there? You know, what's the theme? you know what are we going for and then Kendra also wanted the 10th anniversary to be a big part of it and she came up with the idea of getting a t-shirt designed but what ended up happening was that when I met with her on that I'm like this could be our overall graphic for the 10th year and so that really helped with getting a vision across um, and then you know just being she she had money for staff this year so being able to be be paid to practice and put it into practice and do a and b testing that was really helpful as well
0: yay okay and i will not dwell oh. on it sorry just quickly uh, many people who have ideas for neighborhood level or community level art projects or creative projects get discouraged because of funding right and I am curious about what advice you have for people who might be seeking fiscal sponsorship and applying for grants and trying to find money to put into marketing, for instance, just quickly.
1: Yeah. Um, so I would say to start off that I am very rooted in the idea that compensation does not always equal money. Mm. And, sometimes money is not as valuable as other things can be and so especially when when one is getting started and they don't have the money just being super mindful of like okay what other things do you have to offer like I am a Pilates instructor and when Al first started working for us I was like hey I don't have any money for a social media person but do you like Pilates Okay, I teach a weekly class. I can get you a guest I, I can get you to be a guest in my class and we'll, you know, see the value and whatever the difference is. I can teach you some private Pilates lessons. You know what I mean? My husband cooks really well. Like, some of the homeowners, he was like, I'm going to make you some jerk chicken. So, like, thinking about what are some other things that can bring value to folks. Um, but you have to be mindful of, like, what do you what will be valuable to them, you know what I mean? So that requires some relationship building, and that requires um, a little bit more intentionality than just, like, a transactional, like, here's the money. Mm-hmm. Um, so relationship building, you know, alternate forms of compensation— I, I know a lot of uh, folks who have gotten some of the larger uh, fiscal sponsors like Fracture Atlas or The Field, um, but our fiscal sponsor is Bailey's Cafe, which Woo-hoo. is another organization in the neighborhood. And I've loved, loved that relationship because it gives us an opportunity to support them mm-hmm. and they have been super supportive not only as a fiscal sponsor, but also just as a community partner in, like, helping to navigate the community for advice. Me being able to go to Stephanie Siegel, the founder, and be like, I don't understand this aspect of leadership. Can you help me understand this? Aww. And so, you know, I, I, I recommend finding a like-minded or, like, mission-aligned organization. But again, it's about having a relationship. I had a relationship with Bailey's. It wasn't just like, hey, can you be my fiscal sponsor? Because it is a lot of like legal responsibility. But if you already have a relationship with that organization, they know you. They know you have integrity. Then they're like, yeah, sure. You know what I mean? Um, And then for the grant funding, I would say the best thing that I ended up doing was Paying a grant writer for one season before I like got money to have a steady person, like paying a grant writer for one season, because what they did was revamped all of my language. Mm -hmm. And so then, you know, they made it really pretty and they made it like grant worthy. And then I was able to like rinse and repeat and just like Mm -hmm. replace and copy and paste um, to get grants from then on. So it it was an investment up front but um because I had been writing them I kind of knew a little bit and just to get that refinement of the language was super helpful
0: great and I did cut you off when you were going to add something before do you remember what it was
1: yeah I was going to add to um what makes Al such a great marketing director (laughs) yeah is is is, yeah (laughs) is her is her research and not at and it's a combination of like the field in terms of like, oh, this is what folks are doing in terms of like we had a, a conversation about newsletters, like restructuring our newsletter. And she was like giving me examples is like this is what folks are doing, but also research in terms of like her engagement and involvement mm-hmm. in the community, which I think gives her this like sense of intuition of like, I think this is what our folks will respond to, folks in our neighborhood. Like these colors are like, I think this is what folks in the neighborhood would respond to. So it's not just like the field, but it's also connected to like the folks who are actually there, who mm-hmm. we're actually trying to speak to.
2: Yeah, I live and I shop and I vote and I volunteer in our neighborhood. And then even participating and in initiating the Alumni Artist Project, like that was a big part of how I am on a daily basis, like talking to people and seeing how things impact them. Um, And, you know, sometimes you fail and it's just a matter of just like rolling with what works and learning from the failures.
0: I really appreciate how both of you mentioned talking to people, building relationships, being intentional, not being transactional. What are some of the common mistakes that you think people who are trying to build within their community make? Mm. Or do you think I can, it's just uh, like... I, c- I can start. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. we
2: both have different training in activism. Um, I would say that uh, my background in activism is um, you basically go where you're welcomed. Uh, mm. If you're not welcome yet, you know, you basically figure out the needs of a place. You know, I put my money where my mouth is. I shop in local business. I feel like actually we're quite privileged in Berlin and <coughs> in, in, in bed i holding that in. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> let it out, let it out. <laughs> let it out, let it out. Um, I feel like we're actually quite privileged in bed that we're able to support local businesses. People live in areas where they can't, where they yeah. have to shop in big box places and only online. And I you know, I spend my hard earned money in my neighborhood and I think that builds a lot of trust. Um, And I'm just very like, I'm my grandfather's granddaughter. I talk to everybody and smile and say hello and I'm very social. Um, And just a lot of what I need as like an artist and a citizen is pretty commonplace with a lot of other people. And so I just take that into consideration into what we're building in the organization. I mean, we're working artists, so we know what a lot of working artists need. Um, And, you know, we field our questions. So, yeah, that's a big part of how I get the info.
1: Um, I think going back to your initial question, I don't know, this is the only organization I started, so I, I don't know if I could, like, speak to, like, field-wide mistakes.
0: Well, and, I and can... maybe I, pardon me, I sh- probably shouldn't have framed it in a negative way, but it is a concern that some people have. And yeah. it's something that, it's a question that is often framed negatively and coming from a place of fear.
1: Yeah. No, I, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I think, the like, the biggest thing for me is... This skill of of active listening in a sense of being super observant because what I found with Stoops is that, yes, it's important to, like, have a relationship with, like, some of the big dogs, like, the local politicians and the folks who have, like, the, t- the official titles and... Um, and recognition, but I think it's also just as important to, like, um, know those, like, unofficial gatekeepers, like, you know, the the, the bodega owner who can introduce you to, to different people, or that one neighbor who might not be the block association president, but who actually knows everybody on the block, you know what I mean, on a first-name basis, and so I think, you know, as founders, like we can get into this strategic mode of like, okay, we gotta be strategic and you might miss those important folks if you aren't in a space of like stepping back and just like looking and listening. Because also like some somebody who has the official title might actually have a toxic relationship in the neighborhood mm-hmm. with the folks that you're trying to build with. Oh and so if you're in association with them, you're thinking like, Oh yeah, I'm in good with, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't want to call anybody out, but I'm in good with the, you know what I mean? The president of la, 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 la. Mm-hmm. But meanwhile, folks are like, Oh, you know, the president of la, la, la,
2: you know what I mean? So, it rubs off on you. right.
1: So <laughs> just being like, very active in 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 listening and even noticing that nuance of like you're you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So you'd be like, mm, what is that? Let me go. Let me go ask. Let me ask around. Let me do some experimenting. And you know, for me again, it goes back to relationships because then you can go back to the bodega owner and be like, what you know about President of such and such, and they'll tell you like, oh, you know, blah blah blah, like. But you, if you don't have that relationship with that person, you might not get that tea
0: person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, I'm gonna back out of gossip territory. <laughs> no, but no, but I I appreciate both of you contributing. Um, so let's go to what you do as artists. I want to hear how you have been artists with stoops, for stoops, and then how you bring your art to other spaces. Whoever goes first, goes first. It's fine with me.
1: Hmm. Well, ironically enough, I didn't actually start performing in Stoops until 2017. Despite <laughs> the fact that I am an artist, I've always, throughout <laughs> throughout the time of Stoops, have had a prolific artistic career outside of Stoops. It was just like, Stoops was like my, you know, we all have our hats. And it was like, Stoops is my organizing hat. And it was just like, mm. well, I was organizing. So it was 2017, our fifth anniversary, where... um we we I, Like I said, we used to have a culminating performance, and that year we were like, uh, we don't really want to do a culminating performance because we had the festival over two days as a way to celebrate the fifth anniversary. And they were like, well, what if you are the culminating artist? And I'm like, who, me? <laughs> <laughs> the organizer. <laughs> and they're like, yeah. And I was like, huh. What a noble concept. (laughs) Um, And so I actually, I performed in 2017, and um, it was actually really transformational for me and my artistic practice. Um, The piece that I did, what was it called? I don't remember the title of it, but basically I, I, I wrote this poem that was a comparison of Bed-Stuy and Detroit and and did a structure improv um, to this particular poem. And, you know, it was just talking about my love of both places and, like, how, you know, I saw so much synergy and, you know, and the differences and uniqueness of each neighborhood, I mean, of each space. Um, and so my artistic work had always been rooted in the African diaspora, so rooted in the experiences of folks of the African diaspora. But for that particular piece, kind of starting from my own experience of my community, my artistic work started to focus on community and actually how can I bring community into my artistic practice as opposed to it just being about community but performed in a proscenium space like how can my artistic work actually be about performed in and with community hmm. um and so ever since then like I've been the 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 audience engagement components of my work have increased I've tried to find ways to do different workshops or whatever the topic of the piece is it's like how can I bring in different intergenerational folks to come and contribute to the um to the content of the piece because I generally from my artistic work I start with a question and for me the artistic process is is the answering of that question in Mm -hmm. different ways um so it's like how can I bring you know this elder in how can I bring this young person in to start to think about like the answers to whatever the questions of the piece are um and so now Like, I really feel like there's this, like, merging of the hats, you know, to my my artistic work is much more in alignment with my community organizing work and, like, you know, and vice versa. So, I'll pause there.
2: Beautiful. (laughs) Well, I basically, I moved to New York to figure out how to become an artist. I was Mm -hmm. an artist as a kid um, in Florida. I was street dancing all the time in school, and it was definitely nurtured and encouraged by my teachers i didn't have any formal training um, but my middle school and my high school were very safe spaces for me to figure out singing and dancing in those settings without any kind of formal training and then i moved to new york and when i moved here outside of university i really immersed myself in the club scene and got involved with and found a lot of the street dance pioneers studied with them here in New York out in LA uh, really immersed myself in being a student within these cultures and also partying all night sober <laughs> like I would dance for 12 hours a night and I look back in that and I'm like oh that's that's training um, I wasn't thinking about it at the time and then I got pulled into teaching dance um, I was considered to be like very intuitive with mm. kids but I also was kind of like untrained so I, 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 I sought a lot of uh, professional development within the institutions I worked for definitely grew as a teacher and a choreographer worked with like kids who are now professional dancers in mm. the street dancing flexors that I worked with when they were 16, 17, 18 years old and got to choreograph them and now they've been in like in all these music videos and in stages across the world so that was actually a really beautiful opportunity and i also was very musical and so uh just prior to the first stoops i started working on an album that i had all these ideas for that i wrote and i hired a producer who it's so funny i hired this producer pegasus warning he became the drummer on the james Corbin show I was like I I had his talent first (laughs) (laughs) and um, I made this album and then when Stoop started I was like oh I want to do a live music and dance performance and so since then I've been integrating the music performances and the dance performances. I've worked with some really incredible choreographers. I worked with Sherry Silver and ended up on the television show Hunters. I worked with Rennie Harris, and now there's a trailer for the film out that we worked on called Once Again. And then uh, I started during COVID working on my present music that I'm releasing and I really taught myself to produce it myself because I had the time and YouTube Mm -hmm. had all these tutorials and a lot of music making because of technology has become way more intuitive over the past like five to 10 years. Whereas when I was like nineteen, twenty, I would like intern at music studios and I'd be like, I cannot figure this out. <laughs> like I, I did some things technically, but I just couldn't figure out how to put a whole project together. And so now as of today, I have six songs released. I have more coming. Um, I continue to work as a dancer and a dance teacher. One of my greatest pleasures is working in libraries This year, I got sent around for the 50th anniversary of hip-hop in the libraries this year. And it's like this uh, inter—you actually mentioned this in your artist alumni thing— But the sweet spot is it's this intergenerational, like multicultural experience where I go and teach dance and people are moving. And we talk about somatics and embodiment now and how much Mm -hmm. it's probably really healing them also while they are there. Mm -hmm. And that's also been my greatest joy has been teaching this dance form in libraries. And you could not tell me when I was 19, 20 years old, while not in the club, that I would end up in the library someday (laughs) teaching like babies to old people, I would be like, what? They do that in libraries? But now I have the pleasure of doing that. So yeah, I I have music releases. I have more music releases to come. I crowdfunded for this current uh, music release, and so that's where I'm at as an artist. And I definitely, I use our home base and being able to work and live in Bed-Stuy as a real inspiration and also a place to work on my... My apartment is great for that, so... Yeah,
1: Yeah, she's still... We still send Al out to do artist things and teaching artist things via Stoops, even though, you know, she's a marketing director because she came to us originally as an artist. So
0: Yeah. Well, congratulations on moving into self-producing, too, because Thank I know you. many women, it seems, and from what I've heard, are often discouraged and intimidated from the technical aspects of production. I definitely was right? discouraged and Im- intimidated. Yeah. Like, and it
2: wasn't until we had, I don't know, like I, I just had been doing it through other people. And then somebody hooked me up with Ableton on my laptop. And I was like, I'm going to figure this out.
0: Yeah.
2: And then I was trying to, and then COVID happened. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to spend two to three hours a day. Right. Like, figuring this out. <laughs> and that's what I
0: did. Yeah, well that's incredible. I did on the note of women want to move the the conversation in that direction about what it's like being female leaders in the community and if there are special blessings and challenges that come with that. Blessings, I don't know. <laughs> we definitely
2: have blessings. We I, definitely have blessings. I can I can I can um I see both, but yeah, I can definitely speak on that.
1: I feel the challenges a lot. Yeah. I mean, I talked to Al about this a lot like in 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 our neighborhood there's a boys club mm-hmm. I feel like and um and it makes sense because it's it's of a, a couple generations of uh men who have been leaders in the neighborhood for a long time and they have like naturally like trained other leaders. Um, but there's been like several experiences that I've had where I'm trying to move something forward or like, um, spark up a partnership or like a conversation. And it was just like, I felt like I was like hitting a roadblock and now we don't, we actually don't have any men on the team, (laughs) but, um, before, no, it's not, no, it's not a terrible thing. It's like a little bit intentional, a little bit happenstance but um when we did have men on the team like I remember specifically like there was this one person who I just felt like I wasn't getting through to them and then I had someone who was like just above the level of an intern so just Mm. in terms of like being entrenched into the organizing team you know not to say that this person didn't have any power in the organization but just like new just fresh you know what I mean and I was like you know what go over here and talk to this person about, you know what I mean, about this thing and, like, made mad headway. And I was like, okay, this is clearly. Man-ese.
2: They spoke Manny's. Yeah, I was like, this is clearly
1: <laughs> the gender thing yeah. because, like, you know what I mean, like, you, you, you were corresponding with the founder and director and now you talk to this person who's, like, a, a newbie in the organization and now <sighs> things are moving forward. But, like, now that I understand that, you know, I just move differently. Hear mm-hmm. me? And okay, now I got a benefit. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say, like, specifically, Tama, the, the Tompkins Avenue Merchants Association, uh, there is a strip called Black Girl Magic Row. Is that what they call it? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like these female entrepreneurs, women entrepreneurs that are really I think just making lots of headway in the neighborhood. They're
2: probably globally known at this point.
1: Yeah, yeah. I would say that they're yeah, they are definitely globally known at this point. And I think, you know, they have a sense of camaraderie and sisterhood that I think has definitely propelled stoops forward. And so I think now there's like a us, uh a girls club contingency that is of leadership that's forming in the neighborhood um, to the point where it's like, I don't necessarily have to deal with the boys club if I don't want to, Um, you know, not to neglect that aspect of the neighborhood, but it's like, all right, I'm gonna focus my energy and attention over here where I know, you know what I mean? I'm appreciated. Mm -hmm. So.
2: Yeah. I would say uh, the blessings and the challenges are, and this is a blessing combined with a challenge. Misogyny is so interesting <laughs> in the sense that, like, even if someone is getting to know you, um, the uh, f- belief that you are not smart, I-, I find so interesting when I interact with people that initially, secondarily, tertiarily, they're just like, oh, this person is not smart, and I have to explain things to them. Um, and in my work, in the neighborhood itself, or when I engage with people in the neighborhood, I, I just, I either, I either call, I choose to call their bluff, or I am like, oh, okay, you can think I'm not smart, because I'm gonna go do something anyway, (laughs) and go work on something anyway, and, done, yeah, and get it done, I mean, I finish what I start, like, point blank, like, if, I had a, a mentee say say to me once, you know what I love about you? You do what you say you're mm-hmm. going to do. And so I think the blessing of that is, like, no matter how many people think you're not going to be something, no matter what, if you have the evidence of doing what you're saying, I love data, of doing mm-hmm. what you're saying you're going to do, regardless of adversity. I also had somebody once, like, I was talking to them, and they had, th- this was a... a a male appearing person, I'm sure they identify as man. And uh, they were like, oh, this person that introduced me and you, are he's the great connector. And I was like, I'm a great connector. <laughs> like, I know a lot of the people that you also know. Like, I <laughs> have connected them on things. Like, so that that's a challenge, but also, like, I can back it up with being like, okay, well, here's the proof that, of these things that I've done. Um, and just mm-hmm. documentation of your accomplishments I think is really important mm-hmm. uh, because people need you to prove. Um, but the other challenges are like, people, there are certain men who don't even think of us for things. Mm-hmm. And it's like, really? Like, <laughs> I, like our visual presence is everywhere. Like, you've seen us. like. And I don't know, I I feel like sometimes organizationally the way that certain men of certain generations behave is they don't even think to look to us women as things. You know, when we were celebrating the 50th anniversary of hip-hop, you know, Cindy, cool, Herc's sister, was a huge part in how hip-hop was created, if not one of the creators. And you have to, like, work so hard to bring her name up so I don't know I feel like there's like as a natural part of misogyny there's this erasure of women that happens especially Mm -hmm. women of color and black women Mm -hmm. and it's like oh well okay we still do stuff (laughs) (laughs) like there's stuff that's happening and so yeah I just I work with Kendra as far as what we do with stoops I'm like how much do we got what are our resources okay let's work backward from there Mm -hmm. and then I'm really good at DIY and working with what I have. I don't want to do that as much anymore. I feel like DIY is going to war Mm
0: -hmm. in a way.
2: Um, What do you mean? Just doing everything yourself can be like emotionally and intellectually taxing, and it takes longer. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, in my next body of work, I do want more collaborators involved uh, for music as as far as music is concerned. But, you know, also proving yourself and that you can – function and get things done is also proof of how you can have collaboration. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes, definitely. Yeah. But
1: I feel like sometimes even when you just go, I've had experiences where I, like I feel like I'm the same way. Like if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to make it happen like <laughs> That's true. <laughs> hooker crook. Yeah. And I've had instances where like I was in conversation with, you know, a man in the neighborhood about doing something and they either seemed slightly uninterested or like we're really dragging their feet and so then of course I'm gonna get it done. And then I hear like through the grapevine that they're mad because they're like (laughs) oh you oh you went and did it. And it's like, well yeah, I needed to get it done. Like
2: that that has happened to me a lot, but I just don't even think about their anger. (laughs) No, honestly (laughs) like I've had people No, I've had people like message me like as if I ignored them, and then I, I bring the receipts, and I'm like, "I did all those things you asked me, and then they're quiet.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't have receipts like that. you have a, you have an ex- a stellar memory I, I don't. I do I'm just like
2: memory.
1: I'm just like, well, I, I needed to get get it done, so <laughs> how we move forward from here, yeah. or we don't, and but I'm still going to move. I'm still going to. I
2: mean, I think yeah. that is also like a part of when you are actually doing what you say you're going to do. Like you're going to make people angry.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
2: I'm not saying it's acceptable, but it's just it's, a, it's such a huge part of like human nature. Yeah. Well, yeah,
0: And we can't focus so much on the anger that we don't do what we need to do. Or oh, I got blinders do, on, baby. Right? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, uh. I tried with you. Well, we do have to start to wrap it up. But just Aww. quickly, I'm curious about how you function as an all-women or mostly-women team now. Great. <laughs> <laughs> well, Perfection. You,
2: Kendra. Kendra, Kendra gives me a lot of autonomy and trust. And the way that I work with Kendra is I see her as the founder and the visionary and the final say. So I'll be like, this is what I recommend based on this and this, you know, outcome. I even say what I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. oh, this is not my ministry. This is not my expertise. Yeah. And that takes
0: humility. Well, and thank good you. good for you. Thank you. Not not everyone um, has that.
2: <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know that. But if we were to make a decision right now, this is what I recommend. But the stuff that I do know, I do recommend to her. And then I go, you know, how do you want to move forward? Okay, just
0: really quickly, Kendra. Yeah. How do we, we work were. as women? Yeah, how Great. do we work as women? Because we got 19, oh. 18. Oh. <laughs> Counting um. down.
1: I try to uphold a sense of collaboration, and so I think...
2: She's a very good
0: collaborator. Yeah,
1: I think collaboration is much easier with women,
0: in my experience, because... I'm going to cut you off right there. Mm -hmm. I am so sorry. No, it's okay. Thank you so much, dear listeners, for listening to Badass Lady Folk on Radio Free Brooklyn, watching on Manhattan Neighborhood Network. You've been listening to Stoops, listening, watching, wherever you're doing this. I'm your host, Christine Stoddard. Tune in next time bye Bye.